0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thank you so much for listening. My guest today is Julie Anderson. We have a lot of show to get to, so I want to get the business out of the way really quickly. Go to our website, TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can click on all our links for social media. I'm talking Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Give us a like on Facebook, please. iTunes, Stitcher Radio. While you're at iTunes, why not give us a good rating, huh? That boosts our presence, helps people find the show, and that costs you nothing. So if you can do that, just give us a big thumbs up. Maybe write a few nice things. That's always cool. Speaking of writing, if you want to write me, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. This is our first show of 2014, and I have a big 2014 planned. I don't want to give it away yet. I'm going to have some big news on the next episode, I will be very specific about where I'm going because I'm going to take a big trip very soon. So stick around for that. It's a little teaser for you. It's in the works right now. So uh, I'm very excited. A little nervous, a little scared. But that's always a good thing when you're looking forward to travel that much. I'm, I'm, I'm going to dive in. Going to get out of my comfort zone, and I'm jumping away in, folks. So stick around. You're going to hear more about that. But uh, enjoy this episode first. This is with Julie Anderson. She's devoted her life to a, a pretty good cause, and I think you're going to enjoy the show. Please welcome Julie Anderson. Enjoy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> an
0: an angel, I'm here with Julie Anderson. Shark Angel Julie Anderson. That's a great title. That should be like, you know, a spy or something. That's a movie. It is. Julie Anderson, Shark Angel. (laughs) What is a Shark Angel and how did you get involved in this organization? Let's start it right off the bat.
1: Okay. So a Shark Angel is pretty much what it sounds and that is guardian angels to sharks because believe it or not, sharks actually need help and need angels. So about five years ago, I started the organization and the whole idea was to try and start campaigning in a positive way for sharks.
0: Okay, so we met a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. at a Christmas party, mm-hmm. and I overheard you saying that you scuba dive, and I scuba dive, and that's how this whole thing got started. That's how the so, whole thing got started. So thank you so much for coming here. And then I found out we're both from Chicago, <laughs> or the Chicago area,
1: uh-huh.
0: which is, of course, a hotbed of scuba diving.
1: And shark-loving. <laughs> and shark-loving. Uh-huh.
0: Where did you learn? Because I learned, I did my open water, I took a class in downtown Chicago, yep. in the pool and everything, then I had to do my open water up in Wisconsin, Pearl, Pearl Lake, Lake. Oh my
1: God! Pearl Did you lake. do it too? Heck yeah! Oh, uh huh.
0: Could not see my hand in front of my face.
1: Horrible! And all those freezing, neat divers. and it was
0: like April when I went.
1: I know, miserable. Awful. It was. I think it was 42 degrees at the bottom of the lake yeah. when I went. It was Memorial Day weekend. It was the worst experience in <laughs> my life. I hated it. I didn't think I'd ever scuba dive again. I went after that to Lake Michigan, and I hit the wreck before I saw it at 80 feet, <laughs> and somebody swam by me in a dry suit, and I thought, okay, forget this. Oh my- I hate scuba diving. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I stuck with it. And it's pretty much taken to me where I am now.
0: Okay. Now, so this was, like, right out of college did you do this? Or when you were a teenager? Teenager. Okay. So you Mm -hmm. did it. Yeah, I did it right out of school. Mm -hmm. But then I did it as a preparation because I was taking a cruise. It was like a big... (laughs) So I dove in the Caymans and uh, Cozumel. Very
1: nice places to dive. They
0: were nice. But you know what? I went to Mexico, like, a couple years ago Uh and dove around Cozumel, like where i was 20 years earlier unbelievably damaged I like it, when i saw it it was it was like and i asked the guide i said is it just me or i was blown away by the colors here 20 years ago am, am i crazy he goes no it's he's like the sea temperature goes up one degree it kills up you know it's a living thing this reef and and it's just damn people damage and then hurricanes and everything everything are you seeing this all over the world i mean i i have
1: Unfortunately, yeah. And I think that's probably why I started doing what I'm doing now is is I realized that the oceans are really under a lot of threat um, from all sorts of different angles. And I kind of figured out what was going on with sharks very quickly um, just because I became obsessed with them. And I realized that they're pretty much getting chased into extinction. So I took on that cause. But I think as divers, we're really witness to what's going on around the world and particularly underwater where nobody really – thinks about and doesn't realize. I mean, even in our lifetimes, even in 10 years, yeah, so I, much is Yeah, I've noticed
0: it, absolutely. And everywhere, in the, especially the Gulf, yeah. seems to be really damaged.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, like Bahamas. I don't know if you started diving oh, yeah. in Bahamas, but if you go back there now, it's bleak. Yeah. And it's just, it's. I went in Florida. Yeah.
0: A long time. The Keys, I mean, that's dead. It's I, dead.
1: It's insane. I went to the Keys last month and they do like this feed where they basically feed eels and sharks and they have all this activity. And now all of the animals are gone too.
0: Oh, that's I know. so sad. I know. <laughs> so, okay, let's start out how you got involved in this because you. I saw your little story. No, mm-hmm. your little story. I saw your little <laughs> video. I don't want to demean it. You're like it's little. It was a short video. Uh-huh. Um, by little, I meant a short video yes. on your life that uh, you were a normal, regular working person in the big city.
1: I was. I uh, owned an advertising agency. I was a little owned bit it. of a wonder kid. Wow. Uh huh. Yep. And I was doing that for about seven years, mostly working in um, luxury. So worked for Porsche and Mercedes and Smith Barney, and uh, okay. was out of Chicago. Leo Burnett? Uh, nope.
0: Okay. This I okay. wish. I studied a lot of, yeah, because yeah, I studied I tried a tried to bit work for Leo science. Burnett. Out we of all school. did out of school. I know, right? And they, uh-huh. were, they didn't yeah. hire me.
1: That and Johnsonville Brats. So I didn't get hired by either of them. <laughs> they didn't thankfully. hire you for the Brats? I know, right? Come on. I was a little desperate. Um, <laughs> Anyway, um so I was doing that for about seven years, and I was diving too and loving it and traveling around the world and seeing amazing things and still a little bit apprehensive about meeting sharks um, and then I met my first shark and it was the most amazing experience and I became obsessed with diving with sharks after that
0: no, when you say met mm-hmm. how far away how, what <laughs> kind of shark, how big
1: It was a magical moment. I was in Hawaii um, okay. doing my safety stop and cause I love being underwater. Everyone else goes up and I don't, you know, really use a lot of air. So I was down there just kind of hanging out at 15 feet, just checking stuff out. And suddenly I felt a presence next to me and I looked and within arms length was a scalloped hammerhead shark larger than me, just looking at me right in the eye. And, um, literally my heart stopped and I thought oh my god this is it I'm de- I'm toast you know this shark is going to eat me and <laughs> the hammerhead yeah exactly right I know <laughs> a hammerhead right. what did I know <laughs> okay. I grew up you know playing jaws in the pool course, I was terrified did. of sharks too yes. I never wanted to meet a shark underwater so this hammerhead and I looked at each other in the eyes and I saw life in that shark's eyes not death and I realized that this shark was more afraid of me than I was of it and we had just kind of a moment we hung out and then poof she was gone and I decided, wow, I want to meet more sharks. This is amazing. And it also made me start questioning you know, what I was taught about sharks and also other things as well. You couldn't just take anything for granted. And I started traveling around the world. Places where sharks were supposed to be, and I found the remnants of shark finning—not necessarily live sharks. So, I went to Cocos Island, went to Burma Banks, went to Fiji and Tahiti, and a lot of times I was finding, you know, the fishermen, um, whether they were e- either longlining or even dynamite fishing. I've been underwater when when they've thrown dynamite. Oh, they <laughs> were doing dynamite fishing in Burma. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, boy. Um, but yeah, so. As I started realizing what was going on with sharks, it really tore at me, and I really wanted to do something about it. And because I had an advertising background, I thought, you know, what better way to help sharks than become you know, the PR agent for the hardest client in the world, right? Because love (laughs) them or hate them, we need them on the planet, but everybody hates them. So it's basically like I've taken on this really hard cause.
0: So you have this company. Mm -hmm. So you're in New York, and you have your own company. Mm -hmm. So when you decide to leave it, Mm-hmm. What happened? Do you did you have a partner you could sell out to? Or I had a you? partner that I could okay. sell out to. Well, that, okay. and took
1: a huge hit. Yeah, because um, I just this is what I wanted to do, and I packed up, sold my house, sold my car, put everything into storage, and I went to South Africa because I just felt like if I pushed myself out the door and went and did something a little bit bold, that I'd be committed to this lifestyle. And South Africa, if you know anything about sharks, has some of the richest shark waters in the world.
0: Well, this is what I wanted to ask you because mm-hmm. I was—I've been to South Africa, mm-hmm. and I was in Hans Bay. Yes, uh, yes. My pronunciation good? Very good. Not Hans bad. Bay. Mm-hmm. That, it's hard to.
1: Yeah, the Dutch yeah. South Africans. Hans Hans
0: Bay. Uh-huh. And I did the shark cage. Yes. Diving. Mm-hmm. Now I've heard split things about whether this is a good or bad thing. Mm-hmm. And for people listening, what happens is you go down. You don't. You're not fully submerged. You get there you're about you're hanging you're in this cage and you're halfway in the water and halfway you're on the side of the boat mm-hmm. and they chum the water mm-hmm. and they have a seal decoy their wooden decoy that looks like a seal floating, and uh, they come around and they go in front of the cage and they yell down and we all <laughs> go down and look at it in the water yep, so what I've heard about this and you can correct me I'm wrong mm-hmm. that uh, it's training them to not fear humans or, mm-hmm. or to feed abnormally or something. Right. right? Okay. Well,
1: that is the myth for sure. Okay. So, I mean, there's a couple of myths around diving with sharks. So, obviously, <laughs> chumming and chumming is different than feeding. I mean, those sharks aren't actually fed. If you watched what was happening, they're putting blood in the yeah, water. It's blood, yeah, yeah, to stimulate their olfactory senses, but the sharks aren't actually eating. Um, And they go to great lengths. Actually, the South African government prohibits feeding these sharks um, because they're a protected species. But essentially what happens when um, sharks are brought in is people assume that sharks are going to then attack human beings. But I've been in the water hundreds of hours with all sorts of sharks, including white sharks outside of cages. And if they wanted to eat us and associated us with food, they would have eaten me by now for sure. Um, you know, I think it's just a, it's really a myth and misconception. We know so little about sharks and they're just these scary monsters to us. So, um, one of my friends who's also a shark angel, um, has done a study on the very sharks in Hans Bay and also in false Bay. And those white sharks are very smart and because they're not getting rewarded, it's actually the opposite. They get very bored with the situation and you're constantly seeing new sharks because they don't come in time and time and time again. Because they're so not they're rewarded. they're not getting fooled. Yeah, they're, they're like, getting forget fooled. this. We're on
0: you. Yeah, yeah, okay. The blood doesn't yeah. necessarily I mean, mean there's something worth eating there.
1: Yeah, someone's throwing in a tuna head and then they're yanking it back every single time and I'm not eating. They'll stick around for maybe 10, 15 minutes. They're right. not there every day waiting for the boat <laughs> to show up. You know, I mean, those are different sharks all the time. So it's a very controversial thing. And I think every time there's an incident and, you know, in South African waters, there are definitely incidents um, now and then, um, you know, the sharks... The shark cage diving is blamed. But at the end of the day, first of all, you know, the sharks don't associate people with food, and, you know, it's been proven scientifically. And second of all, there's so much value in people seeing these sharks and meeting these sharks for the first time. I'm sure you gained a completely different appreciation for sharks once you got to see great whites underwater. Oh,
0: it's fascinating. Right? Yeah, so you're on the plus side, you're on the positive side of it. I'm totally on the positive side of
1: it. I'm, I'm a big proponent of shark diving, and I really feel like the more people in the water with sharks, the better for sharks, not only because. Because you meet a shark and then you have this life altering experience, hopefully, but also because it makes these sharks more valuable alive than dead.
0: Okay, so I've dived also mm-hmm. in places where there's a a shark dive where you go down to the bottom, yep. you stand behind the rock, or mm-hmm. you sit behind the kneel or whatever mm-hmm. behind the rock and the guy feeds them. Yep. And they come around. Right. And that's usually like smaller like nurse sharks or reef sharks. Reef sharks. Mm-hmm. Um what's your take on that? Is that a bad thing?
1: You know, I think personally, I, I've done it. Um, and I think it's a great thing for people to actually get like up close and personal with these sharks and realize that you don't need to have bars between you and a shark. But I think it needs to be done responsibly. And, you know, I think you have to be careful about who you go with and really research your options. One of the things we did this year from a Shark Angels perspective was we put together um, a responsible diving campaign. So if you want to go shark diving, there's a lot of things you can learn. There's different ways of choosing operators. There's things you can do after shark diving to try and kind of perpetuate you know, the positive message around sharks. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's definitely something worth doing. Just be smart about who you're doing it with. I, You know, some people do get those sharks worked up in a frenzy. And quite frankly, you know, if you're going to get bit by a shark, you're probably going to get bit by a reef shark. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. They're the ones that have the most incidents with divers. They're just these little snippy like terrier type sharks. And you'll probably need a stitch or two. And it's so rare that it happens. But, you know, I mean, you definitely have a sense of responsibility when you get into the water with these animals. They're not going to bite you intentionally, but it's you know it's something that you know you need caution and you need to be careful.
0: Okay, so we're face to face with a shark. Mm-hmm. We're down there. Yep. What is the thing we should not do?
1: There's a lot of don'ts. <laughs> is, and there's a the lot of don'ts on don't? the Shark Don't, don't like site. poke
0: at him or punch yeah, him in the don't eye.
1: grab him. <laughs> don't like agitate him. You know, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of photos out there of me actually touching sharks, and I've been in a lot of situations where sharks come to me and initiate touch but I think you know poking them grabbing them things of that nature a lot of times people are bit and a lot of times fishermen are bit because you know they're either removing the hook or they're you know doing something stupid with the shark so that is quite often how people get bit by sharks.
0: Okay. What else? What else should I not do?
1: Well, you should pay attention. Okay. <laughs>
0: because, not go down there with like chum in my pockets. Well,
1: for sure, <laughs> don't touch the bait. But also, you know, they're kind of they're, they're um you know opportunistic, and they obviously are looking for like regular predators, any other predator, land predator. They're looking to see if you're looking at them. So constantly knowing where your eyes are. A lot of shark divers actually draw um, eyeballs on the back of their um on the back of their hoods because you know they' And what does that do? Well, it makes sharks think that you're looking at them. And when you are looking at them, they're not going to come in too closely and try and check you out. So there's just. It's this, good to look at them. Yeah. So it's look the opposite of
0: because some, some animals, the eye. like monkeys, you're never yeah. supposed to no, look at them. Like
1: a gorilla, don't look directly yeah, at them. Yeah. They take
0: that as a sign of like yeah. you're staring, it's on. Mm-mm. You
1: know? If. The only time I've ever been approached by a shark when they get really, really close is typically when I'm not paying attention or I'm looking at one shark and another shark comes up from behind my back. And I've never been in a situation where I felt threatened. But it is obvious that these animals are looking to see if you're paying attention. And they're very opportunistic.
0: Right. So this organization, Shark Angels, Yes. how many, how big is it? How many, how many angels are we talking?
1: Uh, tens of thousands around the world. And what? Really? Yep. We're a nonprofit in the US. We're also a nonprofit in France and we're getting our status in South Africa as well. Okay. So we're quite big. Wow. Um, yeah. And it's all about, you know, a positive movement to save sharks and kind of trying to get sharks out into mainstream media. So doing it in a little bit more creative ways, obviously, because I have an advertising background.
0: <laughs> right. Right. I mean, even just
1: the name Shark Angels. Right. I mean, mm. come on.
0: Okay, well, let's get out of the water Mm -hmm. for a second, Mm -hmm. and let's get on land. Mm -hmm. Moving to South Africa. I've only been to Cape Town in that area, Hans Bay. Uh Um, Tell me the... the toughest thing about going there, what, what's been the toughest <laughs> transition?
1: Um, Good
0: wine. I remember that.
1: Amazing wine. Amazing
0: wine. Mm-hmm. I remember that.
1: And I live um, right in kind of the the peninsula of South Africa. So right near the, the, the point. Yep. Did you go to Cape Point? I did. Yeah. So I'm kind of like three kilometers on either side in the mountains so I can see both of the oceans, which wow. is a really cool place to be. Are you I'm, near the penguins? I'm right near Boulders and the penguins. Okay. I I'm, call them my neighbors. <laughs> I have baboons that come through my backyard now and then. Wow. Um, uh-huh. Um, for sure, the wildlife was something I needed to get used to. Not necessarily like the the mammals, but um, there's quite a few um, – uh, well – There's quite a few snakes. Snakes,
0: I was going to say. Yes.
1: And also um, spiders and bugs in general. Um, Very, very large bugs. And, (laughs) you know, I mean, people expect me to be very tough with everything because I love sharks and, you know, I'll get in the water with a white shark outside of a cage. But I really am not that keen on spiders and
0: snakes. Oh, okay, The tough shark angel now Uh has a little problem with spiders.
1: A little little problem with spiders. I don't know if you've seen the spiders there, but they're the size... Size of like your hand oh right okay yeah wolf spiders are crazy big and you know we've got golden orb spiders and um, are they all poisonous uh well if you get bit by a wolf spider you're gonna have a really bad headache um okay. i have been bit by a spider that basically i don't know my flesh was being eaten away i mean that was crazy i know i know and what? i was in botswana and there i was like 20 hours away from any medical attention so the chief of the village actually like Took a special acacia thorn and was like shoving it in the wound and pulling it out, all of the, the, the necrotic flesh. And it was just the most bizarre experience ever, but it healed. So.
0: Wait a minute. Okay. Yeah. Now <laughs> now we're on to something here. So, Bo- Botswana. So, you, how many, mm-hmm. what other parts of uh, Africa have you been
1: to? Oh, man. Um, all over southern Africa. So, Mozambique, Botswana, okay. um, Namibia um, Tanzania. Oh, um, that's,
0: that's this year for me. I want to really. do Kilimanjaro.
1: Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Amazing. It's, I did not do Kilimanjaro, but I did a lot of safari. Oh, really? Yeah. And it did was, did you go to the
0: N'Goro Goro Corp Crater?
1: was so great. Um, yeah. Zanzibar.
0: Did you go there? I did
1: not have time to go to Zanzibar. Oh, I know man. I still am meaning to get there. They have amazing diving actually, and really great whale oh, really? sharks as well. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: I'm to call you. You can yeah. hook that up before I really
1: amazing so but i mean living in living in africa for sure has given me you know the ability to experience things that i never imagined i would right and being able to you know go across the deserts in namibia and (laughs) i mean it's just it's been incredible but there is it's definitely an adjustment but i think it's more like the day-to-day that's annoying than actually living in this foreign country you know things like the grocery store closes at 6 p.m. You know, I mean, just little things like that or anything you want to get done is a complete mission. You it's know, hassle. we have yeah. such access to things here that we don't even realize, you know, you just don't have access to there. But, right. you know, I think everyone should live abroad because it kind of takes you out of your comfort level. And, you know, it just it kind of forces you into a whole different scenario. And it's, it was, it's been really great.
0: When you come back, mm-hmm. what's the first thing you want to eat? Mexican food. Is it Mexican food?
1: You know that they put feta cheese in their Mexican food over there. I mean, they don't even understand Mexican food. Believe me, Mm -hmm. I've
0: I've made that mistake some uh, different places around the world, and I know better now. No, I I mean, literally,
1: when I go home, right, all my friends, I bring home um, corn tortillas, uh, (laughs) Mexican spices. I mean, (laughs) my entire bag is like (laughs) full of like crazy Mexican, you know, products because the only thing they have there is um, El Paso, Uh and it is so freaking expensive. Um, (laughs) Gosh, what do I really? feel like i don't know i it's it's the opposite for me and when i go there i'm always so excited because there's such amazing food there oh yeah i mean did you have biltong
0: no i had i had springbok i know i ate that yeah biltong is oh it's like jerky it's like jerky but it's like
1: so much better it's (laughs) so much better it's dried meat yeah, but right? it's like, you know, growing up in the Midwest, I'm sure you ate jerky. But it's but African is,
0: meat. It's like, what yeah, kind of meat is it?
1: It's, it can be anything. It can right. be springbok. It can be beef. It can be, you know, you name it. It can be kudu. Um, kudu.
0: I, I had kudu as well.
1: Of course you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like eating wild game, always interesting. They're a huge um, meat culture. And, you know, there's you probably went to a braai, which is a barbecue. Yep. But like a whole day is spent, you know, on this whole process of preparing the fire. If you have a gas grill in South Africa, it is humiliating. I mean, real men do not <laughs> right, use. Right, you start gas a
0: fire grill. like a man.
1: Yeah, exactly. So um, the biggest transition for me coming over on this side of the world from there is probably the driving. I have a really hard time oh, figuring out what side, side of, the, of the road to be on yeah. at any point in time in my life now because it just I'm constantly going back and forth.
0: And shifting with your left hand—that's mm-hmm. always. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take like a little something to get used to. Yeah. Exactly,
1: and I go from a teeny tiny two-seater sport car here in LA to a Defender because, of course, as an American in South Africa, the first thing I want to do is buy a Land Rover. Right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cliche. <laughs> so it's um, it's it's great to be able to live on these both of these continents.
0: So now this will be your first trip back since Mandela's passed away. Yes. Um, it's interesting to know, uh, see the what's what's happening. Even I was there like two years ago, mm-hmm. and the changes that are that are happening. Uh, no, I was it was longer because I was there like two months before the World Cup. Yeah. So, which I didn't think they were going to get off? it done yeah. <laughs> because it was a mess. No. Like I went to I toured the new stadium in Cape Town, yeah. and, and like the roads were trashed. Yeah. The airport was still not finished, yeah. and I was like, I don't think they're going to make it. Uh-huh. And, they, and they somehow managed to, to do it. It was pretty amazing.
1: The work ethic in South Africa is not quite what it is in yeah. other places in yeah. the world.
0: <laughs> and a huge, huge disparity of rich and poor. Huge. Um, mm-hmm. Cape Town is still nice, although there's you – know, what was the huge slum there that was, we went to? Uh,
1: oh, um, you went to um, – It's Elizabeth like a million lately. people. It's insane. You because know, We call it like a shanty town. K- K- um, uh, I know now and I can't remember right. either.
0: But um, massive. But I didn't see much of Johannesburg. No, I kind of stay away from Johannesburg. Which I heard is more dangerous.
1: Yeah. Pretty much anyone you meet from Johannesburg has either been held up at gunpoint in their car or their house or their family members have. You know, I mean it's just a very common story there. Whereas in Cape Town I've never really felt threatened and, you know, I don't have crazy fences around my house or anything like that. So I mean I think I think it's a beautiful country and I think it's, you know, uh, an amazing place to visit for sure, and I encourage everyone i've gone over there as a single woman by myself before I lived there so it's it's a really cool place to go.
0: Where year did you move there
1: um i gosh, I moved there four years ago
0: four years ago mm-hmm. okay
1: mm-hmm. bought a house
0: right off the bat. Uh, you bought, okay.
1: I know, I know. Much to my parents' chagrin. They're like, <laughs> my dad's like, did you really just buy a house in one of the most unstable nations in the world? Yeah, um, yeah I know. And when things like um, when things like Nelson Mandela passing away and, and things of that nature, there are different threshold um, types of things that I think all South Africans feel when that occurs, South Africa will become like Zimbabwe. But none of it has happened actually. Right. So I mean, you know. But last I mean, election. it's almost like the
0: last it, the last guy who everybody could agree on is gone. Is gone. And that's that's the tough thing. Is completely That's why I gone. worry about the king in Thailand. When he goes, it's just like ooh mm-hmm. boy, everybody's going to mourn for a while, and then what? Because mm-hmm. exactly. that was that was the one guy who would come out and go, hey, everybody, want you cool out
1: exactly know? exactly and i mean living there you are exposed to a lot more of what's really going on i think american media often particularly during the world cup um doesn't really it doesn't really portray a true picture of what is going on there from a political perspective and you know i mean two weeks before the world cup um the guy who was running basically the political party which is close to the ku klux klan here in, in the u.s um was found chopped up in like you know, dozens of pieces in his house, and the um, youth leader uh, started a song in South Africa about killing the white man. Oh, right. Yeah.
0: I remember this. Yeah. I remember this story. So few
1: people know about that. And I'm yes. thinking, oh my gosh, everyone is coming over here to, yeah, when you were there. But yeah. you wouldn't have known about it. Oh like, no, over I would never have known. Yeah. And you're thinking like, oh my God, you know, I mean, basically all of these people are coming from all around the world and, you know, the the youth leader, the ANC youth leader was singing a song about killing the white man. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously they've managed to keep things, you know, kind of status quo and everything seems to be relatively, um, you know, stable there right now. But still, it's it's... And it's obvious, it's a little bit of a concern <laughs> now and then.
0: Did, now, uh, does that, do the beaches in South Africa have the highest concentration of great whites anywhere in the world?
1: Well, um, for sure where I live in False Bay, and that's – I mean if you watch Discovery Shark Week where you know the sharks jump out of the water, that's like my backyard, Um, there's a very large population of sharks. And the interesting thing about it is is that they don't actually have shark nets in Cape Town. They have a really cool program called Shark Spotters where they take um, basically folks – underprivileged folks who can't actually get jobs elsewhere and pay them to sit – up in the mountains and watch for sharks. And when they do find a shark, you know, they radio down to the beach, they clear the waters, all of this, the surfers get out, wait for the shark to go away, and get back in the water. And it, there's literally two miles between, well, four, four nautical miles between the beaches. And that place where the sharks are jumping out of the water, Seal Island. So, um, one of my friends um, studies uh, white sharks there, and she has um, radio transmitter pingers underwater. And so she knows when tagged sharks swim by the beaches, and it is on a very, basis, And there's very, very few issues. So it kind of proves that, you know, there can be some tolerance and there are some management plans that don't actually involve killing the animals. Um, but yes, it is definitely the highest concentration of uh, shark and water users. Because as you know, there's amazing surfing, there's yeah. amazing kiteboarding, there's a lot of people in that water all the time.
0: Between there and Australia, I guess would yeah. be the most... Exactly. All over the place. But uh, so now you split your time between there Mm -hmm. and you live in Venice out here. Yes. Surf at all? Have you picked up the surfing bug? (laughs) Nothing? No? No. It's hard. I had to learn out here. Number one, it's,
1: it's hard. It's hard. And number two, it's cold. It's
0: cold out here. It is. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, like I like I said, when I was in Lake Michigan, I never thought I would ever dive in cold water. I do it now for the sharks, but I'm miserable. No. And I just don't like getting into this water, to be honest with you. And it's kind of dirty, too, which I'm not that Well, happy you're used about to either. like blue water. I know. Like I'm so spoiled, you know? Yeah. So like this kind of stuff. And it's become kind of a job for me, too, you know, right. getting in the water. And so if I don't have to, I don't normally do it. I was I was surfing quite a bit um, in South Africa, and I think I got a little bit too confident and ended up over my head in Durban, yeah, where the waves thing. are very different, and I was terrified. And so at that point, I said, yeah, this is not my thing. I like to paddleboard.
0: Oh, yeah, oh no, yeah, that's yeah, great. I, I love that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's what happened to me once, because I, you know, I was a lifeguard as a kid, yeah. and, and uh, I'm comfortable in the water and the ocean and all that, but there was one split second. Yeah. I think it was in Costa Rica where I got like held under yeah. for just a few seconds too long. And then the panic, the panic sets in. Yeah. And panic in the water is a horrible feeling. And like, it just shot through me like, Oh my God, am I might, yeah, I can't get up. I can't get enough air, you know? And I was like, that was enough. I was like, you know, I'm going to stay in the small stuff over here. And it-, it was, yeah, it was, it was a bad feeling. And I, I never felt it diving? No. Never felt anything no, like that? No, no,
1: because it's on your own terms, right? <clears throat> yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. I'm a free diver. So, I mean, when you're on your own terms and you're going underwater and you're holding your breath for three minutes, that's fine. No problem. But when you're pushed underwater by a wave, it's very terrifying. And there, waves really scare me. Yeah. I've gotten into situations with waves that, you know, I'm actually surprised I walked away from. So I have a very big respect for the ocean and particularly waves.
0: Yeah. There was a beach in Hawaii. It was like a locals beach. And we were just going to go literally just... Walk out and just do some body surfing or or like boogie boarding and stuff. Not even. And I walked out maybe to my knees and I saw the surf and I went no. Mm -mm. I turned around and walked right back out. (laughs) And I can swim. And it was not like I can't. I was just like this is frightening. Yeah, you get sucked out and Mm -hmm. you're gone.
1: Mm -hmm. Gone.
0: And the locals say, oh yeah, tourists come down here and they get like we have to pull them out all the time. Yeah. I went. "Eh, I'm good. Uh uh. I'll pass. Yeah. Exactly right. I'll pass. Uh Yeah. Did you ever dive here in the um, Catalina?
1: again cold <laughs> again
0: yes i did that once was all i needed
1: uh huh yeah um very very cold um but it's gorgeous the kelp forests here are so amazing and the colors are stunning so yeah it's, but it's
0: still the visibility's not that
1: sometimes great. it can be great okay. apparently um, Apparently. yeah <laughs> Maybe uh, I not on the times day, but... i've been either right. you know and it, yeah it's reminiscent of when we got certified in quarry and you're trying to figure out why the heck you're underwater freezing not seeing anything <laughs> Um, But yeah, I mean, I definitely want to do it again. Again, it's one of those situations, though, where I don't really want to get in the cold water.
0: Yeah, I know. It's (laughs) All those things, it's so much nicer when the water's warm. It really really, is. Any kind of activity out there. And that's when I learned surfing, I went down to Costa Rica, and it was just knowing that they were doing a morning session right when you got out of bed. Yeah. Knowing that the water's warm makes it a lot easier. Totally. Totally. It's one of the reasons I don't go here. You know, I don't live right at the beach, but it's not too far. But the hours, I don't like. They're like, yeah, meet us down here at 6.30 in the morning.
1: You know, I'm good. No, first of all. I'm okay. First of all,
0: no. (laughs) Um, Are there no waves at
1: one in the afternoon? I know, right?
0: And they're like, nah, it's not as good. I'm going to sit this one out. Yeah. I'm I'm okay.
1: Yeah. To go down
0: there and freeze and in the the wetsuit.
1: I don't understand that mentality at all. I mean, I can really respect the waterman. You got to want it. And I know guys who do it
0: all year round. I mean, like they have three different thicknesses of wetsuits and and like going in january like Mm -hmm. no good the water's like 50 degrees (laughs) good luck with that fellas no a lot of
1: the guys that are going here are seeing juvenile white sharks
0: yeah well i've heard they've gotten more and more this
1: this year Mm -hmm. yeah well there's more and more sightings i don't really know if you know there's actually more white sharks and actually if you think about it and you look at the numbers their numbers are declining so Not sure why people are seeing them so much more often, but there's definitely a lot more juvenile white sharks uh, being sighted on these beaches.
0: Would it have anything to do with like sea temperatures?
1: It could. It absolutely could. You know, availability of prey, um, sea temperatures. I mean, all of these things affect, you know, these migratory species. And and white sharks are incredibly migratory. They swim from, they tracked a shark from South Africa all the way to Australia and back.
0: Wow. Yeah. So you cross the entire ocean
1: crosses the entire ocean. I know, I know. We were putting cameras on the back of White Sharks um, with National Geographic uh, critter cam and to like really kind of get you know, into the shark's world and see what they do. It's absolutely amazing. Wow! Most of it's just swimming around and like kind of looking like this. But, you know, I mean, every (laughs) once in a while they do some really incredible things from eating a jellyfish to, you know, I mean, you can see them interact with one another. Um, They've found that sharks actually have social structures. They recognize one another. They have cognitive abilities. These are all things we don't actually associate with these animals.
0: So you say you're doing free diving now because I was just in um – uh, roatan honduras yes. uh uh-huh. and on my boat uh-huh they were there was a instructor teaching people to free dive
1: yep i prefer it
0: you do okay yes. so for people who don't know it's basically diving without uh-huh. air
1: right exactly it's, <laughs> you it's hold diving on a single breath yeah um so and right now you probably have enough oxygen in you to not breathe for the next three to five minutes right but your body one way to find out i know right? hold on <laughs> this is gonna be a really fun uh, interview yes, or
0: pass out <laughs>
1: Um, but, you know, I mean, psychologically, that's really what you have to try and conquer is your desire to want to breathe. Um, and it's a sport. I mean, somebody was recently, um, somebody recently died um, in New I did York, see that. actually. Mm-hmm. This
0: guy was like a world champ or something. It's
1: very controversial. Yeah. But he had just gotten into freediving um, over the last year and a half. So, um, you know, I mean, mistakes were made, and, and it can definitely be a very scary sport. Um, people push themselves to their limits a little bit too quickly these days. But um, a lot of my friends have, you know, they go down to Four hundred feet, and they can hold their breath. Feet? I know, isn't that insane? They can hold their breath for like ten minutes. I mean, what? incredible. I know this. It's it's a really really impressive sport. I do it because I want to interact with the animals without tanks, because there's something very um, intimidating about that noisy breathing and you know this right, thing right. underwater. So I get much better interactions, not just with sharks, but with whales and dolphins and manta's and all the animals that I want to interact with in the water. You know, they're not down too deep. Um, but being able to swim and swim fast, and also not have you know the the, the bubbles and, and the sound, is something that they you know it just changes everything. And there's something about being able to be in the water and not have all that heavy equipment. And no, just it
0: sounds great. Peaceful, Ideally, quiet, it'd be awesome.
1: Slip in. I need know? gills,
0: is what I need. <laughs> that would help.
1: It's a really great thing to have. You need a a
0: water world Costner mutation. Yes,
1: yes. It's a good trait to have, though. Even (laughs) if you're surfing, right? A lot of big wave surfers love to also understand freediving because they're getting held under the waves so much.
0: That's a good idea. Yeah,
1: and it makes you much more comfortable and much more graceful underwater, too.
0: What's the the longest you've been underwater on Um, one breath?
1: I've held my breath for four and a half minutes, which is nothing. And I basically took a class, and the next day... Held my breath for four and a half minutes, but that's static, just like laying at the right, top of a pool, right, and just not moving and not moving. Um, dynamic, like actually swimming around and, and doing it repetitively, and you know, chasing, you know, not chasing, chasing, <laughs> yeah,
0: poking, I prodding didn't mean
1: sharks. To say chasing, okay, sometimes <laughs> I like to chase the animals. Um, maybe two minutes, okay, yeah, not long, long enough to get down, and you know have a cool encounter and then come back up. I was free diving with, and in a lot of places you can't do anything but free dive because that's how they control your interaction with the protected animals. So like, for instance, I was just in Tonga last year and they don't allow scuba diving to occur um, with humpback whales. You, Can only free dive with them or snorkel with them. Um, Same thing with um, the whale sharks in Cozumel. I don't know if you know this, but there is an aggregation of whale sharks that happens every summer. Hundreds of whale sharks aggregate off of the coast of Cozumel.
0: I just saw my first. I just went with my first whale shark uh, in Panama. Amazing. This this year. Well, it was last a year from this month. So yeah, back then it was awesome. How big? It was probably about. 15 feet, maybe? Yeah. And because we had heard they were around. Yeah. And so I went on a three-tank dive that day. So it was all day. And we saw a lot of stuff. And this is on the ocean side, not the Caribbean mm-hmm. side. So it was, I forget the name of the island, but it's pretty well known. And uh, I hadn't seen one. All day, I was kind of disappointed. And it's about 45-minute boat ride back to the shore. And uh, on our way back, the kid at the front of the boat just yells something. Ah! And points yeah. out, and and they uh-huh. whip the boat around, and uh, the the uh, dive master said, just everybody just grab a mask and Go. jump in. So we all went, all right, and we just jumped in, and uh, yeah, there it was, and it was unbelievable. That's I funny. mean, they're so graceful and quiet, and right? just, just, just it was like a bus yeah. going by, and it was I was probably about six feet from it, yeah. And of course, I had no camera. I was like, son of a bitch. yeah, yeah. I didn't think because we were just panicking. He's like, I get know. in, and we all just jump in. Nobody. People are scrambling trying to get, like, shots of it, and oh, it was it was amazing. It was you know, really Jacques cool.
1: Cousteau only saw two whale sharks in his entire life. You're kidding. Yeah. They're pretty they're, they're pretty elusive. You know, I mean, they do aggregate in certain places around the world. It took me 11 years to see my first whale shark. I was always the person that got there, and they're like, I've oh, you just missed it. Yeah, and I know. Never, never and, saw you, one. and then I show up to Cozumel. I'm like, all right, let's check this out. And literally, you get in the water, and all you see around you is dozens of whale sharks all coming from oh different God. angles and, you know, like l- locomotives, you know, you know, they're like trains yeah. and they're basically, they're feeding on, uh, you know, the krill and the plankton and, um, I think also, um, uh, bonito or tuna eggs. And it's just, it's just this hectic thing. And this year, for some reason, mantas showed up as well. So there were hundreds of whale sharks and mantas all aggregating off of the coast of Cozumel and they do it every summer.
0: Oh, it's just in the summer though.
1: Just in the summer.
0: Okay. I mm-hmm. I gotta, I gotta and see And it that. is,
1: it is. By far, one of the most humbling and amazing things i've ever witnessed in the sea and That's i you know great. i've i've seen uh you know a humpback whale uh, almost give birth i mean I've done some pretty amazing things, but to be in the water with all of these animals and just Realize that they are so cognizant of where you are and who you are, right? I mean, they're coming at you so fast, and yet very slightly they'll move so they don't <laughs> hit you. Or I mean, they're just incredible. And being in the water with an animal that's so big—I mean, some of these animals oh. were 30, 40 feet big. Yeah, you know, it's just—it's stunning.
0: Absolutely. Did now a guy on my boat in uh, Honduras said, "If you want to see big stuff, mm-hmm. like big uh, mammals and stuff in the water, yeah," he said, "Palau." Palau was great, and I haven't done Palau.
1: Palau's amazing, um, not necessarily for big animals. It's beautiful. It's it's probably like the most colorful, beautiful diving I've ever done. It's okay. got incredible well, that's soft corals. Me. Yeah, go. I'll go. <laughs> they have manta's um, and you know smaller sharks. You know, I'm kind of like a shark. You know, like
0: right. well, I dove in, in Asia. I've d- I dove in Bali. Yeah,
1: me uh, Gili too. Mm-hmm. Islands, mm-hmm.
0: Gili Islands, tra- Gili Trawangan, and, and mm-hmm. those, and then I dove uh, a wreck right off the coast of Bali, the actual island and i can't remember the name of it it was an old uss uh-huh. something um and then i dove in the philippines
1: never done the philippines
0: and vietnam
1: yeah i've done vietnam and vietnam,
0: burma and Danai thailand and thailand co uh-huh. uh-huh. i think uh-huh. um so I, that's you know i
1: think palau is definitely i mean it's one of the places i mean obviously i go all over the world and I have great experiences wherever I go. But Palau is one of the places I'd go back to.
0: Oh, you would. Okay, mm-hmm. good.
1: hundred percent. Like I would go there in a heartbeat. Um, it's just beautiful. And it's one of those places where you sh- number one, you should definitely be free diving because it's really shallow and it's one of those places where you don't have to put a wetsuit on. It's <sighs> oh, so warm. Yeah. I know.
0: The only time I ever Done felt it. that like I got in where anything, not even a shorty was yeah. in uh, Australia in the coral sea. It was like in the middle of summer.
1: It's the best, and it was
0: like I think the water was like eighty something. It was crazy. It was like, almost too warm. Like you, you, right? You were sweaty when you came out. I know, it was Weird. Like,
1: I don't understand this, especially <laughs> yeah. after being in California with this weather. But it
0: was great, though. Yeah, oh, I loved it. Yep. It felt so freeing.
1: It does feel so freeing, and that's why you like free diving too. And they, although I don't like terrestrial snakes, I really, really like uh, sea snakes. And oh they yeah, have thousands of them
0: in. Palau, yeah, oh wow,
1: yeah, the really blue, cool. the blue and white ringed ones, the beautiful, beautiful ones.
0: So the coral still has some color to it.
1: It's stunning. It's absolutely okay. beautiful, and the fish life is incredible. Um, and yeah, it's just it's the place where you know they've got huge giant clams. I mean, it's stunning. And Palau recently protected um, all of their international waters against um, shark finners too. So you know, I mean, choosing wisely in terms of where you go diving is is smart because then you're supporting countries who are actually protecting their local economies. Right.
0: Have you done the Red Sea?
1: I've never done the Red Sea.
0: I did. I dove in Israel. Yeah. in a lot and I, but I guess the better diving is more south like in the Sinai Peninsula, but it was uh I was there a little too far, a little too close after the revolution, so I was going to wait yeah. it out, you know, like it's- Sharm el Sheikh down there.
1: It's not Um, a place I want to go, actually. But the Red
0: Sea, I've heard, like, amazing. It's supposed to be really good.
1: I hear that it's now, because of what's going on around the world, it's starting to degrade very quickly in Uh, terms of fish life and coral and things like that. I'm finally getting to do my dream trip um, in June. Tulsa. Yes. (laughs) Tuscaloosa. (laughs) Awesome. Um, Galapagos. Oh,
0: I want to do that. Yeah. What are you I'm going?
1: So excited, June. Um, I've been to Cocos. Thank you for
0: asking me. I will go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've been to Coco's Island, which is very similar, right? A sea mount in the middle of nowhere, um, three days sail off of Costa Rica, where the hammerheads—you know, hundreds of okay. hammerhead sharks—basically during the day they'll school, and there's amazing other types of sharks there too, and rays, and it's—it's it's very like hardcore dive it's it's very surgy there's tons of currents it's very cold it's where these two incredible currents in the ocean meet but the life there is just so rich and amazing
0: i thought galapagos was like super protected like in terms of i know the land is but i i figured the waters were as well i'm is it really restricted on where you can go there
1: it's very restricted um and it's very hard to get to the two places um that are really really um Darwin, and I can't remember the other well Darwin island is is apparently the best place to dive in Galapagos, unfortunately, even though it is protected, it's still heavily under threat um, you know because there's so much money in illegal fishing, whether it's shark finning or collecting sea cucumbers or you know just illegally fishing, or the next thing that you know is really a big thing right now is is they're killing mantas for their gills, um, and manta populations are so heavily threatened they're actually in a worse situation than sharks. I know it's crazy um, because they think that the gill, when dried, will cool your blood. So they actually just eat manta gill.
0: Is this the Chinese again?
1: Well, it. I don't want to be. I don't want to be too accusatory. God
0: damn Chinese! You know when they get usually this is what I found in in terms of endangered things Mm -hmm. around. If it's on land, usually it's the Chinese, and if it's in the sea, usually it's the Japanese. Yeah. Like they will eat anything out of the sea.
1: That is that that is
0: and the chinese it's not it tends to not be as for eating as much it's either like a status thing like ivory or some mm-hmm. other bullshit shark fin or um well yeah the shark fin soup and stuff like that's that that's status too yeah mm-hmm. yeah right but also or medicinal medicinal it's like this stupid that we need monkey paw and rhino horn right. for it's like no you don't you jackass but i got to think you know that would be the most frustrating if i'm in your position yeah to go up against 3000 years of this thought I mean, how do you fight that?
1: It's tough, and I mean, you can't really fight it as a as a Westerner, right? I mean, right. obviously, I mean, everyone immediately and screams, you're a woman
0: too, yeah. Because so uh, they really want to listen to you.
1: You're being racist, <laughs> you know. You don't understand our culture. Exactly. And it was very sustainable when only emperors were eating, you know, whether it was you know drinking tiger bone wine or whether it was you know eating shark fin soup. But now that there are so many people eating or sushi or sushi, it's. Just, I mean,
0: sushi had, didn't exist, you know, in Chicago. I yeah. never saw it, right? I never like, saw
1: Growing so I, up, I didn't have it till I was
0: thirty and moved to New York.
1: I know, like, what is and the my sushi? agent, my
0: first agent, took me to for sushi. I must have looked like the biggest hick. I was. <laughs> We went, you <laughs> want to have sushi for lunch? I was like, I've never had, she must have like, I I, like I fell off a hay truck. You She's know?
1: like, yeah, that's not guacamole. Where are you from? Illinois? Uh-huh. <laughs> um Yeah, no, I mean, it's just crazy. And that's the problem is, have it been? Have you been to live, the live markets in China?
0: No, I haven't been to mainland China. I've only okay. been to Hong Kong and Taiwan. Yeah. And I've been to Japan. Yeah. But I mean, the Japan fish market is- um, Everything. Insane. It's the biggest one in the world. Did so, you go? Uh, no, but I've seen, mm-hmm. I went to another different market, mm-hmm. but the big one I didn't go to. But yeah. it's literally like, there's stuff pulling out of the sea that I've never seen. Right. I have no idea what it is.
1: I know. It's crazy. I, even me, right? Yes. Or as a diver, right? Like, and these were in the live markets um, in Hong Kong, but also um, more heavily in mainland China and Guangzhou. Like an aquarium, full of something that you travel all around the world to see and maybe get to see one of like a blue ring octopus or you know a mantis shrimp and there would be this aquarium just shoved Full of like half dead blue ring octopus or like these amazing things that as a diver you just think are so elusive and hard to find and you see them in such vast quantities being sold like partially alive. Um, it's just it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. But before I point fingers, you know, I mean the US is one of the largest shark finning nations in the world. So whilst the demand is not necessarily being created by us, we're certainly, you know, we're certainly contributing to the issue and and supply. Well
0: you mean in terms of we're buying it or we're doing, We're doing
1: it, it everywhere. Um, I spent four months in... Um, Wait, we don't
0: have any regulations about, on that? In our own
1: waters, for sure. But um, we definitely oh. have um, regulations in our own waters. But the problem is is that um, we can go anywhere and fish anywhere. I, um, I spent four months in the South Pacific um, working with the Kiribati government and basically boarding fishing vessels and inspecting them and things like that. And I found many, sorry, U.S., um, <laughs> found many u.s ships out there actively fishing in international waters so i mean at the end of the day you know the legislation can only protect so much and we need to end the demand and you're right it's hard for someone like me to do um, and there's so many issues and animals under threat i mean in madagascar i was shocked to find them killing lemurs and eating them as well
0: well everything the gorillas i mean uh, bush the rhinos in south africa They're, I went to Palanisberg State Park. Yeah. And this is the first time in I think you know since they've been open. I mean, they have so much money on the black market that they were helicoptering in, yeah. killing it, mm-hmm. sawing off the horn and getting back into the helicopter and leaving before they could get there, mm-hmm. before the rangers could even get there. I mean, that takes a lot of technology and money and backing.
1: There is and, a considerable amount, m- amount of money in the illegal wildlife trade. It's well, doesn't it really
0: come down to poverty? Poverty it is does. the problem.
1: It absolutely does, and I mean, there's more money in it than weapons. Um, there's as much money in it as you know illegal human trafficking and it's the same infrastructure and it's the same people so it's it's really tough to fight whether it's you know rhino horn or whether it's shark fin or now you know lemurs and that's really the tough thing and that's the tough thing that all of us face is is trying to get that message out there and end the demand and also try and help these nations I mean I was very upset and I've spent a lot of time in the field and I was very upset at the people that were actually shark finning or killing rhinos or whatever it is but then you realize that these folks are just trying to feed their families yeah. and they're doing what they can they're to poor. survive they're poor and they're nobody really is helping poor. them no other countries and they're certainly not getting the infrastructure or the help they need locally and you know big countries yeah, like the United States care. we're not helping either i mean so what are they going to do of course they're going to you know take their last lemur and take their last shark and cut down their last you know ebony tree because they have no other options. So, it's definitely a big issue globally and I think it's something that needs to be addressed at that level as well.
0: Right. And birth control. And, Maybe we could There's way there. too many
1: people on the planet. Yeah, there is. It's like I'm the worst person at a party because you know I'm depressing and then I'm saying controversial <laughs> things like yeah, there's too many people. We need to get rid of some it of
0: them. Is. I mean, there's uh, you and I we've been around a lot. Yeah. And you see it. Go to a go to a country where there's a billion people. I've been to India. Yeah. You take a look around. It's horrible.
1: It is. Horrible. the way you
0: have to live there's no benefit to having a billion people in one place uh-huh or more
1: you were just talking about and i just remembered it now Cayaleche, leche which is Cayaleche, a really really slum. large slum you know they call it a um impermanent oh, yeah, okay. impermanent settlement mm-hmm. um shanty you know shantytown. here's the american going in i'm whatever. like what's up it's a shanty town but if well, you look at it yeah it's it's insane like you literally
0: and it goes on for miles.
1: Miles and miles and miles. And there's no infrastructure. It's so like where I live in the mountains, I can look down on the shanty town um, and you can just see like, you know, the black cloud of smoke from yeah. you know them burning whatever they can to stay warm. And, you know, make no mistake. South Africa is not entirely a warm country. Everyone oh, no, thinks it's way it, like, down there. always warm there. I'm like I've been the coldest I've ever been in South yeah. <laughs> Africa. There's no heat, you know, no like, you know, right. n- no you know, central gas. It's crazy. There's, it's, yeah, the houses aren't built for warmth, but when you see that kind of, you know, population, and that's the thing in South Africa is so many of the other countries, um, uh, citizens are moving into South Africa too and seeking yeah. asylum. So it's, I it's, know they were all
0: complaining about yeah, the Nigerians coming right? in and all the,
1: and xenophobia. And, you know, yeah. there's a lot of violence, um, from that perspective, but you know, it's, it's definitely a big melting pot there for sure.
0: What was the nickname, the word for the Zimbabweans who had, the white ones, who had lost, they had their land literally taken away, and they ended up in South Africa. We met a few of them at, who uh, ran some wineries down there.
1: Not Zim's.
0: Ah, no, there was a nickname for them. I don't know. I can't remember.
1: I don't know. It's been eight months now since I've been home, so oh. like I'm actually really excited. You hear me every once in a while say, like, keen or something really <laughs> random, where you're like, where did she get that from? That's it's like, oh, she's so affected. Um, but yeah. I,
0: rem- I always pick out the, it's yeah. Yah. Uh-huh. That, that's how you always know the South Africans.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Can you – have you taken up uh, rugby yet?
1: I Can actually –
0: I, rugby, I could get into. Cricket, I cricket can dig go. Big rugby. Kicking can. In cricket fact, sucks. Cricket, you know, I've tried. I've given it a lot. Horrible.
1: Like what game lasts for two days? Four,
0: four I days, mean, five days. It's
1: insane. Or we're like, gonna break for tea. Tea. Like old fat tea. people can play it. You're yeah. like, what? This is not a sport, <laughs> but rugby. I rugby's mean, rugby's kind
0: of cool. I would that that I would watch.
1: Growing up in and Chicago, obviously, you know the Bears, and I'm yeah. sure you were there around the time when like we were actually good. Oh you know, yeah.
0: No, I wasn't bored yet. I'm
1: football. It was like really important, right? And like, yeah, same thing. It seemed really tough and, you know, hardcore. And then you go and you watch rugby and you're like, wait, what? They have yeah. no pads. I mean, they are. This
0: is kill the guy. Beasts. This is what we played in the backyard.
1: It is so much fun. <laughs> and every time an American comes over and starts, you know, like watching TV, immediately, like my dad was just completely riveted by rugby. He's yeah. like, I don't understand the rules, but this is the best game ever. Yeah. You know, I and wanted to watch amazing. it
0: live, but it was never the season when I was there. It's always like off season. And then I'll be there in the summer and it's like, well, it's cricket time here. It's like, no, I don't want to go see cricket. I finally saw my first cricket match in uh, England this summer. Ugh. and I, yeah it lasted about 20 minutes yeah. but it's like if somebody else from another country watching baseball well, it's yeah, definitely slow and if quite, you don't know the frankly, rules it's boring. horrible it's horrible it's and i played boring. it my entire life i mean but yeah if you don't know the rules it's terrible to watch some fat guy pitching and scratching his nuts for you know three hours it's not that yeah i get i get it both
1: rugby players are hardcore too and they're like yeah. real men but I, a lot of
0: them are more excuse for Drinking in in the pub afterwards. And yeah,
1: for sure. They do have good songs. For sure, it's I've I've gotten a great opportunity because for some reason rugby players seem to love sharks. So I've taken like the All Blacks diving with sharks. Mm-hmm. I've taken uh, the Springboks diving with sharks. So I've gotten to meet a lot of the rugby players too, and they am sure amazing. They hate
0: you. I'm yeah, sure, I know, right? I've, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it was very difficult. Yeah, I know. Them. Yeah, okay. I
1: know. I remember like the first time. You're not
0: I sh- popular at all. With not the, with at the rugby all. Players. I
1: showed up to um, take the All Blacks diving and. Um, it was uh, one of the worst days ever. And, you know, we, we went out to sea and everyone was throwing up. Like all these big guys were throwing up. It was See, I miserable. Too. I do too. I throw up every single time I'm on a boat. That oh, is a little fact time. about this shark angel. I'm always puking. Yeah. <gasps> See? It's horrible. Uh, the I'm very times, careful now. Yeah. I've thrown that's up. My,
0: that's the only thing I hate about diving.
1: I know. Is seasickness. Me too. I know. And it's so much pressure. I can't stand it to not throw up because, yeah, whatever. Anyway, take these guys into the water. First time they've ever seen sharks. And there's probably like 50 black tip sharks in the water. And uh, so we get in the water, right? I'm like this little teeny, you know, girl. And these eight big rugby guys get in, right? And the next thing I know, like a shark swims by us and there's like eight guys on top of me, you know, like pushing me, shoving me, you know, like trying to like climb off my back. They all got on the boat. I had one guy in my hand, like my arm around him and I was holding his hand and I was like swimming him closer to the shark. And I let go of his hand to point at the shark. And the next thing I know, poof, gone. I had no idea where he went. They were – Terrified. So it was pretty funny to watch, but a cool, cool experience too. And they've now taken on the shark conservation campaign too. So it's really cool when people like that use their, you know, celebrity for good.
0: Yeah. Well, when you come up with all these, say, governments that don't want to like change their fishing laws or Mm -hmm. anything like that, or this immense like poverty and and this culture of like, yeah, this is what we do. Yeah. My family's been fishing for sharks for 3,000 years. What are we going to, how do you not? get discouraged after a while you just you know you made a joke earlier of like you know you're like the downer at the party
1: yeah i know but how
0: does it not like how do you keep your spirits up and
1: it's really difficult to be honest with you because i've been all over the world and i've seen so much and knowing what's going on and it's not just sharks you know i keep my focus really really you know laser sharp just because it became too overwhelming for me to like know what was going on but i think you know we count our wins in, in like kind of very small areas and you know to sit in a community in Fiji and have this community talk about how they started protecting their local waters and the sharks came back. And once the sharks came back, the fish came back and now they've created this kind of um, infrastructure around charging divers to then, you know, um, be able to protect their own local waters. So they, basically go out on patrols and they've taken back this little, you know, piece of the ocean. When you come across stories like that or like I went, I'm going on a beach cleanup with some girls um, this weekend um, and they started a Shark Angels Club. Now, I went to talk to this school in Tampa and it was called the Pace School for Girls and these girls are between 15 and 18. They've dropped out of school um, either because they're in gangs, you know, drugs, violence, you name it. These girls, I mean, and I showed up and these girls were like Badass. Like I was really afraid. I was like, these girls are not gonna wanna hear about sharks. They're not gonna like, wanna orange make me is with the me. New black. I might get jacked. I don't know. I'm like really intimidated. I don't know what to do right now. And like we had the most amazing, amazing discussion. And these girls spent four hours with me asking questions and getting inspired and they've pretty much found their voice through sharks now and they've taken on this cause in a huge way. So when you see things like that, you know, these girls are now spending their weekends teaching other kids or they're doing a book that for elementary school kids, they're doing beach cleanups and they have nothing, you know, and they have nothing really in their lives. When you have those kinds of situations and you see those kinds of things, I think you can get a little bit of hope. Um, But overall, it's it's hard. It's really, really hard. I mean, uh, we have a network of people who do the same kinds of things, and we have very hard discussions, and we're pretty much a support group for one another.
0: Is there a country that's made a stride? Like, you've seen it at least...
1: Yeah. I mean, like, we were getting really excited, right? Because, um, we started a campaign called Fin Free and basically it's legislation to ban the sale and trade, uh, and consumption of shark fin. Um, so not just banning the sh- process of shark finning. Cause a lot of times you can still catch a shark as long as you don't, Throw the shark back and just keep the fin. So, I mean, there's obviously tons of loopholes. So, we started this campaign, and legislation started happening in a lot of different states. So, up to 55 million people were living in places in the United States, California included, where shark fin is considered an illegal substance. Um, but now, unfortunately, um, there's some jurisdictional issues, and there might these all these laws might be reversed. Um, so, yes, there's strides, you know, moving forward, but it is really it's hard one for sure.
0: Where are the shark numbers now, as compared to like, say, 10, 20 years ago? None. And yeah, and how is that compared to like whales? Because I've heard in some yeah. instances, whales number whale numbers are up.
1: Whale numbers are up. You know, I mean, in, in whales, we're kind of considered, you know, these monsters of the deep at some point in time too. It's a little bit harder to create like the cute, cuddly campaign around sharks than it is around whales. But for sure, the protection of whales um, has been successful, and their numbers are proliferating. You know, Moby they're Dick, nowhere near. No,
0: Moby Dick was not a, no, as good a movie not, as Jaws. No, That's, not uh, that at was the problem. It wasn't yeah, as big no. a hit.
1: And those, those guys are so cute. <laughs> Darn whales! I, don't I know, know they do. Once but you see some of they their make teeth, those little you're songs like, what? And, yeah. No. but still, I know they're beautiful. They're lovely. Um, they can be pretty hardcore, but whatever dolphins too, you know, I I mean, um, when you ask about numbers, um, numbers are down 95 to 99% around the world. So within the last 30 years, um, off the, off the East coast of the U S most of the big sharks are gone. Um, and it's just, I mean, when you think about those numbers, it's just crazy. I mean, and that happened over our lifetime, and it's continuing to happen. So, I mean, I've been in communities in Indonesia. You talked about Bali. You know, I've gone undercover in um, islands right nearby. Um, where two years ago they had an incredibly healthy shark population. You know, the, the shark fin traders came in, gave them hooks, you know, gave them the ability to go out and fish and paid them so much money for each shark that they basically fished not only all of their sharks but then went into Australian waters. So there's money enough for them to go five days in fuel, out, catch sharks, like then they were landing like four or five, and then come back and sell those fins. And they're not even eating the meat you know i mean they don't have the the ability to actually refrigerate shark meat and as soon as you kill a shark you've basically got to treat it in a special way or else you can't consume the the meat so you see these starving fishing villages and once they've caught all their sharks you know we were seeing dead dolphins in the market dead rays you know fish i mean it's just it's a it's a cycle of destruction so it's um definitely it's definitely bleak. And the problem with sharks is, is that they don't reproduce like tuna. You know, they're not, they're not the numbers. They just can't keep up. You know, a shark may take 40 years to reach sexual maturity and only have one or two pups in a year. So when you think about the numbers, you know, 73 million sharks killed a year and it's probably more, you know, those are the numbers that we can pull together. It's just, it's not, it's not sustainable. And so, you know, we're just seeing numbers plummet and nothing is really changing in a positive way.
0: Well, now you've bummed me out. Of I the know party. I suck.
1: Let me think about something really positive. Yeah, let's, to let's say. turn
0: it around. Let's end it on a nice note yeah, here. Um, I know. Okay. I know.
1: Well, but I mean, the thing is, give me something
0: to hang my hat on here. Give me, give me something to look forward. to.
1: Everyone can do something about these issues, okay, right? What I mean, can we, we do? All feel like we're so powerless, and like every single time we buy something, we make a, a, a decision with our dollars, right? And so we need to. And I think California is such a great culture for that too. But we need to get smarter about what we're doing and what we're buying, and particularly from a from a seafood perspective. Fifty percent of the sharks that are killed are killed as bycatch. So knowing where your food is coming from and how it's caught and, you know, is it sustainable, that's really important. I think spreading the message is key and even just making people understand that sharks aren't necessarily these awful predators. You know, I mean, when you tell people 73 million sharks are killed a year, they say, wow, I didn't know that. So what? And then most people turn around and they say, yeah, but the only good shark's a dead shark. And so that we have to combat as well. Um, And I think, you know, helping kids also just discover their voice and take on issues and realize how fulfilling it can be to get involved in activism, whether it's, you know, sharks or, you know, the oceans or, you know, even if it's autistic children, that's a lot of the work that we do is reaching out into the community and helping kids um, realize that they can make change and help them make change, that's always been a really great thing for us. And as divers, you spending your money in a place where – oceans and and the sharks and everything else in it are protected that's really important too so i mean there are there are things that can be done you're welcome yeah exactly thank you thank you for helping <laughs> sharks um in hans yeah and also hopefully in palau soon oh, i gotta get there yeah so i mean it's things that we don't want to think about or talk about but at the end of the day you know these things are going on during our lifetime i mean humanity has made huge strides and you know big changes in the past we can do it again but it's going to take You know, us really wanting to do it.
0: Do you eat fish?
1: I do not eat fish. I don't actually eat anything from the ocean. Um, And the reason is, is just because I don't know. Actually, occasionally, if I have a friend who's speared a fish and I know what it is and how it was done, um, I'll do it. But other than that, no, because you just, you don't know. And so for me, it's been, it's just been a conscious decision not to. And let me tell you, I love sushi. So the fact that I don't get to eat sushi anymore is a huge compromise for me. (laughs) And being in like an island nation where the food, the the seafood Uh. is so amazing. Occasionally, Occasionally, I'll eat it there, particularly if I know how. Yeah, it was you caught. go to these islands, and I it's mean, just like, there's nothing else. I know. I mean, Is it, it should I be eating something flown in yeah. from Australia and Fiji? Probably not. You know, so I mean, from that perspective, definitely. But you know, it's not something that I would normally do.
0: Yeah, I was in. Uh, yeah, I was down in there. These, I, I think, it was in uh, Panama. We're at these islands on these beaches. Yeah. With, I was there with a, a buddy of mine who doesn't eat fish. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, I'm sorry, dude, because you are missing out. <laughs> this is, everything else I sucks because this is the only one good thing they do right down here." And I was like, "You're on the, you're in an island. Yeah, and exactly. Pretty much,
1: you're eating. I like, wouldn't trust the steak meat. really uh-huh. of what you're
0: ordering there, but yeah, I don't know. I'm still kind of bummed. Cheer me up a little bit.
1: Cheer you up a little. Okay,
0: bit. Okay, let's let's go to bring it back to travel. Okay, yeah. Okay, before we leave.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh huh. So everybody uh, who wants to go diving or are thinking about it, yes. And you're going to be our, uh, our travel agent right now. Uh-huh. Um, favorite place, you your favorite place to dive in the Caribbean?
1: My favorite place to dive in the Caribbean has recently become the Bahamas, believe it or not.
0: Really? I know. This surprises me. I know. Go ahead. It
1: surprises me as well. Um, but I've spent some time in Bimini, which is easy to get to. And uh, it's actually quite beautiful. And they've got a healthy shark population. The reefs are eh, okay. They've got incredible wrecks. Um, and for me, what I'm most excited about is you can swim with great hammerhead sharks there now Ooh, too. Nice. Yeah, so that's pretty amazing, and it's close and it's easy Quick trip
0: from from Miami.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. The water is crystal clear and blue, and so I mean, Bimini is definitely a place that I would recommend in the Caribbean.
0: What was your take on Belize? Because I was there.
1: Um, I was there a long time ago, and it was okay. still. It was before the coral bleaching, and it right. was before a lot of destruction happened in Belize. And I thought it was okay, but. I wouldn't probably go there again. Okay. Would you? Um, I liked
0: it. I, w- I did the, um, well, they have the thing like Shark Ray Alley. Yeah. Uh, and that was kind of cool. And I did the Blue Hole. Yeah, Blue which Hole. Which is one of the things you kind of got to do. It's but like there's a not much burst. to see down there. I mean, no. it's just like, so it's a plus big you blue go, hole. Plus, you go down so deep and then you use up all your air and then yeah. you got to come right back up. So the whole thing takes like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's not much. But then the dives afterward are, are, are better. Yeah. In terms of like, um, you know, that's where color, and you get down deep enough, as you know, there's no color down there. It's just, you know, but it is kind of like cool looking down, and you can't see, and it's like space. Yeah, it it's the is closest I've dope. been to like feeling like I'm in space, so that was kind of cool. But I don't know, I could, I'd go back to see more of it. Yeah, I'll, I'll dive anywhere. But I'd okay. say
1: Cozumel for sure, 100. percent If you do not go and see the whale sharks this season, you're just out of your mind.
0: Okay, it now is, I take that as a challenge.
1: It is amazing.
0: Okay, okay, so that's the Caribbean. Uh-huh. give me uh the pacific south pacific or something
1: south pacific um, you've done
0: australia i'm sure
1: mhm mhm <clears throat> um i really like fiji to be honest fiji with okay you. i've never been fiji's amazing um again lots of beautiful colors and things like that and then um you know small beautiful creatures big stuff um i think one of, and the the culture in fiji is so amazing too So I highly recommend Fiji. The food's amazing. Really? Oh, so good. Um, They do this thing where they cut a coconut open and they put. And here's where I'm going to show that I did actually eat fish.
0: Okay, there you Um, go. And they
1: cut up fish and uh, and some peppers and some onions and they put in a bunch of other stuff. And there's you know coconut milk. It's the most amazing thing. I can't remember what it's called right now, but it is so good. Um, And you know they have this uh, really really friendly, incredible culture. And you know they drink kava and it's a very you know communal thing. So the, the The top sides amazing, and of course Fiji's beautiful. um, But underwater is so stunning and incredible. And again, you know, beautiful blue, beautiful colors. For me, though, one of the most amazing things about Fiji is um, they have a really, really great um, bull shark dive. Where basically you're, they bring in twelve to fifteen bull sharks that are. I've never seen bull sharks so big. I mean, these animals are so well fed. You know, I mean, they're like three times the size of me, and their girth is, you know, wow. incredible. And these animals just come in, and, you know, bull sharks are one of the most scary sharks in the world. And even when I'm in the water with them, I think they have these little tiny piggy eyes. You don't know what they're doing. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I like <laughs> these guys. Piggy eyes. Yeah. I mean, and they look kind of stupid. You know, you're like, oh, these are like the maybe the Rottweilers or the, you know, the pit bulls. Of... <laughs> yeah. You don't know. You don't, you just don't know. And um, it's, an incredible dive and these animals are totally different than anything you'd expect and the amount of sea life underwater when you're doing this dive that's another thing that i would highly recommend that's like one of the best shark dives in the world is the fiji bull shark dive okay in Bekwa Lagoon. so that i would say palau can you've got to go to palau oh, i will okay and it's beautiful too. I mean, it's. I mean, the, they did a Survivor there. You probably even remember, yeah, yeah. like, the, it's kind of like Raja Ampa. These beautiful, like, sea mounts and gorgeous, like, teeny tiny islands and stunning. So I, that I would definitely recommend. And then in terms of you know, on the other side of the coast, like on this side, I would highly recommend Cocos Island. I know that it's a big investment in getting out there and things like that, but you'll never see anything like it in the world. No, where's
0: that exactly? It's
1: um, near. Co- it's you, you'd go into Costa Rica. And then it's actually um, it's actually part of Costa Rica, but it's a three-day sail away from Costa Rica. Oh,
0: okay. And I remember reading about this yeah, down when I was out there. Yeah, it's stunning.
1: It's stunning. And, you know, obviously, I can't recommend it yet, but I've done a lot of research about Galapagos.
0: Yeah, I know. We'll find so out this summer. I'm so freaking
1: excited. And everything topside, too, really excites me as well. And that's, I think, the coolest thing about diving is is that you get to go around the world and experience and become an explorer in an area where basically you know less of the ocean is explored than the moon. Um, but at the same time, you get to experience these amazing cultures and these amazing places that you'd never ever think of going to otherwise. So, it's been pretty special, and to be able to make a career out of diving and you know saving sharks has been a really cool thing. So, that's awesome. I'm trying to be a little bit more inspirational for you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm always inspired. You don't have to inspire me to travel because I always will do it. But yeah, it is it is a thing where the more we've been around and yeah. the more we see, yeah, it's easy to get disillusioned and where things are going you know and yeah I, sometimes i envy those people that have just like yeah i'm good with never seeing that i was like oh right. man that must be a nice comfort <laughs> just, exactly just to be okay where you're at i mean i was never that you know i've always had i guess you know wanderlust and stuff but yeah i've always been curious but the more you know is just like
1: oh boy right it just seems
0: overwhelming and, and like it a where do you start?
1: It does. But then also it, I think it's given me great perspective too. And like, I'm, you know, I mean, you think things are tough and then you realize like, oh my gosh, this, you know, this little kid in Madagascar can't even, doesn't even have pants or shoes on because they're so poor, you know, and it really does kind of put things into perspective. And you see amazing things happen with people who have nothing. So you think like, wow, you know, you're inspired to do something more with what you have because you have seen incredible things done by people who are so much in a bleaker situation. We we are so privileged here yeah. in this country. You know, I mean, we don't understand poverty. We don't understand the, the things that we've seen. So I think if you take that message away and you kind of look at, you know, how he, the human spirit has triumphed over a lot of things in these countries and a lot of, you know, obstacles that they come up against. And there's still some really beautiful places out there that deserve protecting. And we're moving in good directions, too. You know, I mean, we've we've protected quite a bit of the ocean. You know, last, a couple of years ago, it was only 1% that was protected in, um, in marine reserves. And now it's up to 4%. So, you know, I mean, there's definitely a movement forward. And I think that, you know, consciously, if we all make the decision to get there, we will. It's just maybe not going to – it's going to require some compromise for sure
0: okay well when i get down to south africa i'm gonna have come to, look me up yes i'm gonna go on a dive with you okay. and then i'm gonna put you in front of me uh-huh. when the shark comes uh-huh gonna be between you and me and the shark
1: i'll take you i'm not gonna be as bad sharks.
0: i'm not gonna be as bad as the oh tiger sharks. yeah really? how do you feel
1: about tiger sharks? they're my favorite shark and they I are seen them. so incredible in south africa
0: i thought those were the ones that are more aggressive
1: um that's what people say right so you've got like great whites tigers and bull sharks and to me um tigers are very like they're very slow you know you kind of know what they're going to do um except the one time that we decided to feed a dead turtle to the tiger sharks and then they mm-hmm. went off. Every shark has their like crack and you know, for like white <laughs> sharks it's whales and for tiger sharks it's turtle. Um, and they were, went insane. But other than that, I've never really seen like a frenzy behavior from them, but they're just such cool, beautiful sharks. And I love interacting with them. So we'll go to South Africa and we're going to dive with tiger sharks.
0: Awesome, Just that like the rugby great.
1: players, but you, <laughs> I'm going
0: to be, be in mm-hmm. and I might have to learn how, how to hold my breath yeah keep up with you
1: for sure because we don't dive with tanks oh, boy. with the tiger sharks they come up to the surface too
0: oh, oh really yeah okay that sounds awesome yeah
1: it's an awesome it's definitely something to look forward to so mm-hmm. add it to the calendar and in the meantime I want to hear about how Mexico was okay and the whale sharks
0: <laughs> awesome <laughs> okay cool okay ready hold your breath <gasps> oh, see <laughs> my, my training's beginning <laughs> thanks Julie thank you